years ago, 20,000 Anzac soldiers stormed the beaches of Gallipoli. My friend, buddy in the boat, he sat between me at the edge of the boat, and he got one in the, it must have been in the heart. He went straight over my oar, all he said was, oh. Little did they know what would lay ahead. The smell was terrible, that's why the, the Turks called for an armistice. When we tried to shift these taps, uh, you caught out their boots, the boots had come off and you had their feet in the boots, come off, off their bodies. The only communication was that's where the word runner was born. I was a runner. The runner's life wasn't a happy one. <laughs> because you see, you couldn't make time following down zigzag trenches to protect yourself, you had to hop across the top and you're in full view of the Turkish snipers. Uh, average life of a runner in those days was about 24 hours. I lost so many mates there. See, I lost about, oh, over 20 of my best friends. I got missed so many times, I, I couldn't name it. It, it, it noise like, um, it sounds like a bee flying past, whizzing sound, you know. Of course, the one that hits you, you don't hear. Two of my best mates there shot through the back of the head. What sort of food did you get normally? Hard biscuits, which you um, perforated the top of a biscuit tin, and you scraped your hard biscuit, and then you made it up with water, and that was your porridge. And then you got occasionally, you got a tin to a loaf of bread, and uh, tin to a tin of jam, and a slice of bacon. I've been re reliving that landing for 69 years, and I expect I'll be doing the same until I join those brave Anzacs of Gallipoli. What lessons can we learn from these brave men and others about the true meaning of the grit and mateship that helped them survive against insurmountable odds? There'll be wars and talk of wars forever, but uh, I'm against war. I can see the fallacy of it. It's uselessness. There's no reason in the world. Nothing comes out of a war. The Mojo Show's Anzac Centenary Special. Hey everybody and welcome to a special Anzac edition of the Mojo Radio Show. For those people who are not living in Australia, because we have Mojoites all over the world tuning into our little radio program, today's a pretty special day in our history, Anzac Day. Um, it's April 25 and we commemorate 100 years of the Anzacs uh, arriving on the beaches of Gallipoli and Robbo, that was a really touching, moving piece to start the show off, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a, a day that's close to my heart, to be honest. Robbo's been out and about flying solo. Mm. Mate, um, very special edition. Uh, who is your special guest this week? Where, where, where have you, where'd you go? Oh, I, I, I was lucky enough to, um, to go up to Castle Hill RSL, which is close to where I live here in Sydney. And um, I caught up with the veteran from the Vietnam War. He spent uh, a year in Vietnam as a forward observer with the, uh, the 12th Field Regiment. And um, when you and I talked about this program initially, we sort of thought that mateship was a bit of an issue that obviously um, it resounds with the word Anzac. Um, and so Colonel Tate and I had a... I only had a short time with him, unfortunately, in the week leading up to Anzac Day and him... So when you say short time, you mean one schooner? Yes. <laughs> it was an early opener. We were at the bar at quarter past nine. <laughs> uh, good times, good times. Good times indeed. Reminded me of our old radio days, to be honest with you. 
But um, we wouldn't have been there for the early opener. We would never have left. No, that's right. We would have still been hanging on the bar from the night before. From the closer. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. That's right. But no, look, we we only had we had about about fifteen minutes um, because he is also in, um, uh, uh, one of the directors of the RSL club up there. So um, he was really busy this week. But look, we we had a bit of a chat about mateship and a few other issues. So um, maybe we should roll the tape. Yeah, Matt Stewart. The Mojo Show's Anzac Centenary Special. Colonel Don Tate, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you very much. You, uh, you served in Vietnam. Um, would you mind giving us a bit of background on how you got there and, and in what capacity you served? Yeah, look, it was uh, pretty interesting. I'd, uh, I was out at Skyville uh, in the northwest of Sydney at the National Service Officer Training Unit and I got posted to uh, 12 Field Regiment. Uh, but because of what I was doing, I couldn't be released till uh, about mid-December to go to Vietnam in February 1968. So really I was in Vietnam for more than 12 months. Um, when I got to uh, my regiment, my CEO said to me, look, uh, we've got a few issues. We haven't got a, uh, a full party for you. Um, you're going to have to do with what you've got. And uh, we did. So we actually, I actually trained my guys. Uh, on uh, on operations in Vietnam, and they responded tremendously. And uh, people will ask me all the time, do I differentiate between national servicemen and riggers? I had no idea. As long as the guys did the job, that's all that mattered to me. So I started off as a, a Ford observer. That's a guy that uh, controls all the firepower. Uh, that's air, naval, and uh, indirect artillery. Uh, firepower to support a rifle company. And that was Bravo Company, 1st Battalion uh, in Vietnam. Um, so uh, we went through the first two or three months and then we went to Coral, where we fought the largest battle in Vietnam, contrary to some views. Uh, but we landed in the middle of a North Vietnamese uh, division, the 7th North, Viet- North Vietnam Division, and we had an interesting three weeks uh, there. We nearly lost uh, my gun battery uh, that's a, that, uh, that I was a member of. Um, we had one gun that was overrun and a, and a couple of other guns uh, were knocked around uh, on the first and third night of Coral and the first night was the 12th, no, the 12th, 13th of, uh, of May 1968. Uh, following Coral, um, had about six weeks and then it was a decision was made by my battery commander and the commanding officer of the regiment that I'd become the second in command or the battery captain of the battery so I went back to the gun end and I spent uh, the rest of the time in Vietnam as the battery captain of um, 102nd Coral Battery. How, how important in some of these big battles that you were just describing, how important was, was mateship in, in keeping you going and keeping you together? Uh, absolute. Uh, mateship is part of being a member of a team, and the Army builds on teams. So you start with two, you might then go to six or eight or ten, uh, then you go, but it's all the way through teams, and you, you build that mateship and the team together. Uh, the camaraderie is part of mateship. So I see teamship and mateship and camaraderie as the three major elements of a very professional army. There's other aspects, obviously, training and all the rest of it, but those three aspects to me are what the important aspects uh, from an Australian point of view, and that's our very strong uh, point that we have as, as a professional army. We all have mates. We all have, you know, 
the, the, the guy from the footy club that we go for a beer with on a Friday night or, you know, the, the, the family that comes over for a barbecue once a, once a month or whatever. Is mateship in combat different to mateship at home, do you think? Yes, again, it is. When you, uh, in the, um, the Defence Force, and I'll talk broadly, in the Defence Force, a mate is a mate forever. Um, you might not see somebody for uh, 20 years, and I saw a mate of mine uh, last Sunday that I hadn't seen for about 10, 10 years. It was just like we'd been nev never been apart. We walked in, talked, chatted about things that we did or what, they'd, what had happened during the time. So mateship is a, is a lifelong aspect of, uh, of a soldier. What's it, like, what's it like putting your hands or your life in the hands of, of somebody else? Um, I'm not sure whether you can give direct experience from this, but, you know, being on, on a patrol or something like that and, and, and saying to a mate, look, you know, I'll watch your back, you watch mine. Is it, is it a difficult thing to do or does it come fairly easily through your training and, and all the rest of it? Um, again, it's, uh, that's part of being a soldier. You trust your mate. Um, your mate trusts you. And, uh, of course, they look after one another. Uh, and that, again, is a very strong point uh, from an Australian point of view. Uh, soldiers look after one another. Uh, when you have a weak link in an organisation, you make sure that that weak link is, is uh, brought up to the rest. You, you, look after your, you look after your own people, you really do. Um, were there ever any happy moments in Vietnam between you, with you and your mates? Oh. Of course there were, any number. Um, and in fact, uh, as an old soldier, uh, the, the things you look back more on is the funny, the funny points. Even in the serious times, um, you look back and there are a number of, of times um, uh, that I could talk about. Um, for example, uh, I, we used to get resupplied and I was, when I was a forward observer, I had a team of four other guys and myself and I'd go up to pick up my part of what I was uh, supposed to pick up um, you know, radio batteries, rations, what have you. And uh, my um, bombardier or corporal uh, said to me, hey, boss, we're not going to give you this. And I said, why not? He said, we need you to be, <laughs> to be uh, alert, not tired, because you're the one that saves our lives. <laughs> it didn't happen. I still got my rations on my radio. <laughs> not going to miss out on that one. Um, you're a part of the administration team here at the Castle Hill RSL where we're recording today. When you look at today's sportsmen, or, or probably more from your experience, corporate leaders, what sort of advice would you pass on to them in terms of you know, team, teamwork and mateship in a corporate environment? Well, I can't see how a corporate in, in a corporate environment uh, you, you can't uh, build a business unless you're building a team. Uh, here at this RSL, that's what we've done. We've built a team both from a board, um, management and staff uh, and we try to embrace the people that are members of the club into that, uh, into that team. So I think uh, there's no difference. It's just um, the environment, I guess, that you're in. One is a military one, one is a, uh, a business one, if you like to put it that way. Um, on a more personal note, um, what sort of messages about mateship have you passed on to your grandchildren? Or, any, or your family in general? Well, I've got three kids, uh, seven grandchildren, and two, uh, three and three-quarter great-grandchildren. So busy then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I pass on? It? Uh, you pass on to your own children, um, and they in turn pass it on to them. So from my own uh, personal point of view, from my own kids, um, 
you'd best ask them. But, for example, next Saturday we've got uh, the centenary of Anzac uh, coming up and I'm running it here in the hills. Um, my daughter is coming because she wants to be with Dad on that day. Just on that, on the centenary that, of, of the Anzac um, uh, campaign, how would you like your family and, and grandchildren to remember the Anzacs? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Quite candidly, I'm an Anzac. Uh, because I come from the genes of the original Anzac um, as a professional soldier with 38 years service. And I think, um, to me, what those guys did back in 1914, where they put our nation, or we became a nation as a result of what they did, we saw extreme bravery, uh, mateship, teamwork, you name it. Um, that ethos has come right back uh, through the generations and even the guys now that are serving overseas will have those sorts of uh, aspects as part of their life of, uh, you've been talking about mateship, camaraderie, all that is all part of uh, what we inherited from those guys. They really built the nation. They gave us a foundation of uh, characteristics um, that we still build on today. We talk about teams going and playing football. Well, we're talking about teamwork. That's part of what uh, what Australia is strong about and very much it was emphasised by those guys back in 1914. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Um, if you could have five minutes to share with one of the original Anzacs that stormed the beach that morning, what do you think you might say to them? I think I'd say... Uh, I wouldn't need five minutes or so, what I would say, I can tell you. Uh, I think, uh, as a professional soldier, I would have said to them, look, thanks, we appreciate what you've done, and I would say to them, best of luck, and more importantly, get back home. And finally, just finally, um, Anzac Day is culturally one of our most, if not our most important day of the year. For you and, and your mates, how, how important is it for you to, to celebrate that and to, and to come together on that day? Uh, I think the celebration side of it is probably not uh, that important. I think, the business, I think the aspect of getting together, some, some guys you don't see for a year, but you see them on Anzac Day. So you get together. I'd have to admit that some tall stories get told. <laughs> There's the odd, the odd drink or two. But it's really that part of mateship... Um, catching up with what the guys have done over the last 12 months and you might think this a bit strange but just having a couple of minutes to think about the guys that are not there mm. whether they died during the, the 12 months or whether it's been beforehand but we do have that time just to have a reflection about our mates uh, that are just not with us on Anzac Day. Yeah that must be the hardest part I would imagine. Absolutely yeah very hard. Don Tate, thank you very much for your time this morning and um, we hope that you, uh, you enjoy your, your Anzac Day this Saturday. I sure will. Um, I run the dawn service here and uh, then I'm going to go and march and then I'm going to a reunion and then I'm going to dinner that night. So I'm going to be pretty tired on Sunday. Sunday will be a day in bed by the sounds of things. No, I've got something to start at 9 o'clock in the morning, so... Oh, no risk for the weekend. No risk. <laughs> thank you very much. The Mojo Radio Show. Good job, mate. That, um, you might take my chair. I'm going to have to jump behind the panel and start to, at least we get to play some decent music and, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the talent helps. Don was um, very easy to talk to. And, um, no, you've done, you done, you done good, little flower. Hey, um, we, 
are going to keep this show uh, light and bright, as we say in the industry. Mm. So um, it's going to be a shorter episode of the Mojo Radio Show this week. Um, mm. It's our special Anzac edition. But just one thing I thought I would raise, mate, um, that you and I were talking off air, was um, Woolworths allegedly facing a $50,000 fine mm. for unauthorised use of the word Anzac in their advertising mm. um, and also the disrespectful use, uh, to coin a phrase, by the Minister for Veteran Affairs. Um, who They've used an unidentified digger. Uh, they've used his image in their advertising and uh, it's wow. caused quite wow. a stir amongst, um, yeah. you know, the vets and um, right down to the Minister for Veteran Affairs. It's, it's not good, is it? It's not good. Um, but to be honest with you, I would have thought that anybody who had that idea in the first place would have thought that it wasn't a good idea anyway. I don't really understand how it made it as far as it did. Well, I... I've got a very good friend of mine who's a Getty's Images uh, photographer. Mm. Uh, he's one of their best. And he's always talking about how people are unauthorised in a lot of, of using photos mm. and how the artist, the photographer, is being taken for a ride. Um, and he rang me um, quite upset about this because, number one, it's unauthorised use of photos, which a lot of us are doing through different sources. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I think that's, that's in, you know, allegedly if this story is right, it's in poor taste. And mm. how it happens though, which is I think the reason that I bring it up at the back end of this show is that it's just another example of, of, you know, quirky marketing and brand people thinking they're being clever because the headline is, lest we forget Anzac 1915 to 2015, fresh in our memories. Mm. And Woolworths being the fresh food people, they just think it's a quirky, clever piece of brand and marketing advertising that I win an award for. Mm. But they haven't really thought through having some taste, having some dignity, and the fact that this is going to piss people off more than impress them or enhance Mm. the fresh food people. So I can actually understand how it happens, but it's Mm. just another example of people trying to be too clever mm. and it just backfires and hurts the brand. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it, really? I, um, I, I, could never, I can never agree with commercialising the Anzac name I, and I'm sure there's, well, obviously, there's lots of people out there who agree because of the outrage that came from this issue. The story we're making reference to was by a journalist called Sarah Michael and I think it's a really nice piece and we might put a link to it on the show notes at the Mojo Radio Show dot com, you just go in and look for the Anzac episode. Um, and it was in the Daily Mail Australia, which is part of the Daily Mail dot co dot uk. For those who are writing this down, um, but it's interesting. The the tale of the story, I think, tells the story of how damaging this can be for your brand. When she said, and I quote, "One appalled consumer threatened to boycott the store." writing on the store's Facebook page, Hey Woolworths, my family did not fight and die in the wars for you to hijack the Anzac tradition mm. with that tasteless promo. Take it down now, please, or my money's going elsewhere. Mm. So, you know what? And if one person takes the time to post something, you'd be guaranteed that 100 thought it and didn't. That's right. Well, that was that's the old radio adage, isn't it? You know, one complaint is actually the equivalent of 100. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, what what do you do though? I mean, is it realistic to say that I will never shop at Woolworths again? No. 
I, I don't think it is. Oh, I could see people doing that. Like I could see, I could see a uh, you know a grocery buyer saying, "I won't go there because traditionally, wherever there's a Woolworths, you're going to find a Coles or an IGA mm. within a few blocks of it." So I could understand somebody who's got their back up. I mean, if you've got a relative who lost their life and went to fight for our country, mm. and they feel as though they've been trivialised, I could certainly getting see somebody getting that back up. But um, mm. anyway, I just thought it's an interesting piece to to close the show, um, yeah. Robo, because you and I had had long discussions about this. Yeah. Um, but it's a very good learning for anybody who owns, manages or works for a brand that although the fresh food people is very, very powerful in our country, mm. you really have to sit back and think strategically about the application when you start using unauthorised photos and something as, as emotional as Anzacs. I mean, that's, um, you know, you've really got to think through that. I'd well, you're screwing with the fabric of Australia, really, aren't you? Let's be honest. Well, <laughs> you, you start are. doing that. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like disrespecting ACDC. It's just you just yeah. don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, hey, listen, just before we go, um, I know you've been busy getting ready for the Tour de Cure this week. Mm. Um, and, you know, as I said, this Anzac thing is something that's really close to my heart. So I took a bit of um, Mojo Initiative, and um, I actually had a chat to a couple of people who, who you know. Um, but the first person I spoke to was, um, well, if I said the name Ian Rogerson, <laughs> you would know who I would be talking about. Uh, talking about good times at the bar. <laughs> My <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> well, then, funnily enough, he said he was waiting at the bar for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, listen, oh, I, 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 I got in touch with Dano um, just because of Anzac Day and I thought it would be nice to get the perspective of a few um, well-known people in the public out there. So, um, I'll roll the tape, mate. This is uh, Ian Rogerson, better known as Dano from Jono and Dano who uh, people would know from the radio. And uh, a quick chat I had with him about Anzac Day. The Mojo Show's Anzac Centenary Special. Ian Rogerson, a.k.a. Dano, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Darren Robinson, what a pleasure it is to be here. I'm completely uh, at your disposal as per usual. And uh, <laughs> when's the check getting paid? When's the check getting paid? It's in the mail, mate, as usual. Excellent, excellent. That's the right answer. <laughs> Thank you. I try hard. <laughs> now, listen, um, you and, uh, and Jonathan Coleman spent a lot of years together uh, on the air. Um, how did that... Yes. I... Yeah. I can't really attest to actually knowing the man. It was mainly an association. I prefer to think of it as an association. An association. Right. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, I hope he does. Yeah. <laughs> no, we did. We worked together. What can I say? We romped through the 80s, 90s, had a smattering back in the noughties. Of, yeah. You know, what the hell. And occasionally we'd meet for dinner. But it was all fun, right, along the way? Well, it certainly sounded like it from the other oh. side of the speakers. It was enormous fun. I mean, basically all the radio... Luckily, I've been very lucky in all the radio I've done. It's pretty well all been fun. Mm. Uh, but in those days, in particular, because, you know, we, we were absolutely 100% professional idiots. And uh, <laughs> we were very good at it. I think we, we, we lifted the bar on EDSE to a yeah. whole new level. Well, you've got to do whatever it takes, right? Well, that's right. Whatever makes you laugh, you know. I mean, I think that's the that's the key of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to have somebody you work with who actually makes you laugh, and you can make them laugh. Absolutely. So, listen. On a more somber note, we uh, we've got Anzac Day this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. What does Anzac Day mean to um, to Ian Rogerson? Oh, it's a strange 
strange one. I've never really been very military orientated. In mm. fact, in a way, you can't get away from in Australia. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the fact that, that we, you know, the world's biggest defeat in some ways is, is celebrated here mm. uh, as far as, you know, having the guts to hang in there with something that seems to be an absolutely hopeless position. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously we tend to uh, celebrate Sadly, you know, the, the losses that we've incurred, far too many, mm. during all the various wars we've been involved with. Yeah. And we may as well um, commemorate a loss as much as anything else because I guess that's really what all war is, isn't it, loss? Mm. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, there's nothing much else to it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's look, uh, the going down of the sun and, and the rising of the sun, you know, we will remember, remember them. I think it's a beautiful thought and a, Beautiful statement. So, yeah. you know, for me, it's somber. I, I don't think supermarkets should be involved with it or anything else like that. No. There's obviously a lot of agreement with you out there on that one. Yeah, well, it seems like it is heading towards a bit of a celebration. It isn't a celebration. You no. know what I mean? It's, it's I something that should be just respected. Yeah. So it seems obvious then that um, Ian Rogerson's Anzac Day will be celebrated by unpacking boxes. Is that right? Uh, unfortunately, that's exactly what it seems like. <laughs> happening we've just gone through the excruciating experience of moving house yeah. and it's just it, you know they say it's one of the two or three worst things you can possibly do yeah. and I, I you know i've got to say in the middle of it they're not wrong <laughs> yes not not at all i wouldn't think <laughs> <laughs> mate let me let me finish off by asking you one more question all right okay we you just mentioned the anzacs and and the, and the campaign at gallipoli Mm. If, if you had five minutes to sit down, I mean, unfortunately, it will never happen now, but if you had five minutes to sit down with one of those guys that stormed the beach that morning, is there anything that you, you'd want to say mm. or ask of them? Oh, I'd like to hear their story. Uh, but I think the funny thing uh, about most vets I've uh, you know, met or interviewed over the years, they don't always want to talk about it. No. Um, and, and if they do want to talk about it, they want to talk about it as a lesson to people to say, hey, don't do this. Mm. Um, so I think probably if I had five minutes, I'd just want to hear the story. Yeah, absolutely. And what a story it would be, I'm sure. Oh, I bet. I bet. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you actually look at that campaign, it was a disaster right from the start. Mm. So, uh, you know, but then again, you've got to think that the waiting disaster that was coming after that, which is on the Western Front, Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because Gallipoli was at that point where, where after that, every you know, a lot of those soldiers went back to the Western Front. And never That's came right. back after that. So it's just it was just one hideous thing after another. Which you know, war tends to nail pretty well. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Look, uh, Ian Rogerson, aka Dano. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay, I'm really depressed now, Darren. Are you? Why is that? <laughs> just after our conversation. No, yeah, yes. <laughs> well, you know, that's not, the, that's not the, the purpose of this show, so, you know, maybe I've done my job not so well. Yeah, well, no, you always do your job well, mate. It's always good fun and always a pleasure talking to you. Mate, thank you. Ah, uh, pleasure. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. He's a good guy, isn't he? He's a great guy. He, uh, he does a lot behind the scenes for um for autism uh right. his, his son is autistic jack and um he does a lot of work with the um the autism associations out there to um to further their cause which is nice now a little more rock and roll a little more uh, in your face does the name john brewston mean anything to you oh come on touch me <laughs> hey Mate, this you've nailed the show. Who, yeah. who, 
Did you catch up with him? Yeah, I did. John Brewster, one of the founding members of the Angels, a great Australian rock and roll band. One of the uh, greatest. One of the greatest, indeed. Up there with ACDC, in my mind. Mm. Um, yeah, this is his perspective and take on Anzac Day, just quickly. The Mojo Show's Anzac Centenary Special. John Brewster, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Yeah, thanks, Robbo. Nice to be with you. What does Anzac Day mean to John Brewster? Uh, more and more each year, funnily enough. It's, uh, you read more stuff and, and, you know, like I'm reading an incredible book at the moment called The Long, Narrow Road to the Far North. It's about the uh, prisoners of war taken by the Japanese building the Burma Railroad. Mm. And it's it's a pretty confronting book. It's uh, it's brilliant. You, can, you, you almost feel like you're there. You know, yeah. it's just so brilliantly written. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a great friend I used to play golf with who, who worked on that Burma Railroad. He came out of the war, uh, I think he said he was five stone ten or something, you know, like wow. he was a skeleton. Yeah. And he, t- he took up golf at the age of 36. And yeah. at 72, I, I remember playing with him one day and he showed a four over par off the stick. Uh, wow. I don't know if you're a golfer, but that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that, and, yep. that resonates. And um, he had the strongest hands. Mm. Um, but he never he wouldn't talk about his war experiences it's too no. raw um, no. but I, I have I have heard some stuff uh, mm. that other people have told me about mm. uh, about his he's, in, he's no longer with us unfortunately but he was a mm. great guy and you know there was a time there when I was just in my young early 30s and I was losing my hair and I, I, I actually collapsed on the golf course so they thought it was heart attack but it was actually a sunstroke and mm. they took me off to the hospital and uh, and and he was the first guy that came to came around to the hospital yeah. to see how I was. Yeah. And he was around around 70, 72, I think, at that stage. Mm. Mm. And my bet is that that camaraderie and mateship that you're talking about that must have sustained him through that mm. horrible experience in the war. Yeah. You know, would have, he had that through his life. Yeah, it's hard to understand or to even think about what those guys must have gone through, isn't it? It's terrible. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, you know, it's really fantastic to me to see how many young people go through yeah. uh, doing services these days and, you know, go to Gallipoli to, you know, that, that history, uh, that Anzac history means so much to young people. You know, I think I think probably more than it did to us when we were young. I don't, I don't know. It's very hard to really cast my mind back. But, mm. You know, I don't remember going to many, many marches and... No. Yeah, it's funny. I, I yeah, I, I seem to recall Anzac Day when I was a kid, and I'm 45 now. But when I was younger, mm. Anzac Day was just sort of a day off, really, wasn't it? But I think it's certainly come to mean a lot more to your everyday Australian than it did. Yeah, and the thing is, as we grow older, we learn more about what happened. Mm. Um, so you know, when you're young, uh, or when uh, at least when I was young, I didn't really know that much. You know, I think you know you get school studying English history. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you weren't sort of weren't learning too much about, and maybe, maybe that was because the Second World War was, you know, more more recent. I, I really don't know, but you, know, you look back at it now and think, just think like, God, you know, what what everybody must have gone through, you know, soldiers and and civilians alike. Uh, so yeah, very important time. Yeah, absolutely. How, how does John Brewster celebrate Anzac Day then? Uh, well, tomorrow morning it'll be. Uh, my wife uh, Sue and I will be getting up at five o'clock in the morning, and we'll be yep. going to the dawn service at Victor Harbour, South Australia. Lovely. Then we'll go to the Anchorage and have a coffee. <laughs> a coffee. <laughs> I, uh, oh, that's just nearby. I was yeah. privileged enough to uh, to catch up with uh, one of our Vietnam veterans the other morning as part of an interview for this program. 
and um, mm. we, uh, we, we were sitting at the bar at uh, a quarter past nine in the morning up at the local RSL here near where I live in, in Castle Hill in Sydney. And, uh, and, and we were actually joking that, you know, this time in a few days, he would probably be sitting at the bar having his first beer for the day at 75. And um, he was certainly looking forward to it. Yeah, very much so. Just one final question before we let you go. Um, if you could have five minutes with one of those original Anzacs that stormed the beach that morning at, at, um, at Anzac Cove, is there anything you think you might in particular have to say to them? Um, no, I, uh, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, uh, it, it stumped me. But my experience with, with uh, Rod Maloney, the guy I was telling you about that was on the Burma Railroad, mm. you attempted to pry, you attempted to mm. say, well, what was it like? Mm. Um, mm. But you know that that's a no-go zone. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, and... And I would suspect it'd be similar talking to someone if you could, if you could be talking to someone who was on that landing. Mm. My guess is they they wouldn't really want to want to talk to you about. It. I don't know. I no. mean, it's a it's a tricky question that one. It is, and it was, and that was sort of in the back of my mind as I was writing it. I'll be honest. It's sort of I'm not sure what I would say. I mean, I would I I would obviously be saying thank you, but um, aside from yeah, that, it would be that. it would be hard yeah. to put even it would be hard to even put that into words. I think you know just. My my kids, I was actually dropping them to school this morning and my boys said to me, would you go and fight in a war, Dad? And uh, I, I honestly had to, be, had to be open with them and go, look, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if, if our shores were under threat, then I don't think I would have too much trouble taking up arms. But if someone said to me, you know, the, the war against ISIS is, is heating up, you know, we're going to start conscription... Would I be happy mm. to go and fight? I don't know. I can't answer that, to be honest. No, you can't. Because, you, uh, you know, the same... Well, I could answer it in the more days because, you know, uh, I was subject to being called up and mm. I missed out by one day. You know, they had the ballot thing on your birthday. Yeah. And I missed out by a day. Wow. And I'm really glad I did because yeah. uh, so I was uh, definitely uh, would... I imagine um, if a push had come to shove, I think I was going to be a conscientious objector. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I can't say that with absolute honesty because you just don't know what would happen. Did you give your mum a big kiss and say thank you for holding on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, well, I, I, I was so thrilled that I wasn't called up that yeah. I'd only just moved out of home, actually, and I was renting a place and the landlord lived on the other half of the house. Yep. And uh, a friend of mine came around, you know, talking about mateship, a friend of mine came around and we got a, it was completely drunk uh, to celebrate that I wasn't called up for the Vietnam <laughs> War. And I locked myself out of the flat, I, uh, like the Beatles song, called in through the bathroom window, <laughs> fell into the bath, ran up and down the hall making uh, blue bottle noises from the goon show, um, just being completely silly. Yeah. And then the landlord the next morning came and threw me out. He <laughs> said, you, you, you go. <laughs> so that was the end of mine. I had to go find somewhere else to Not live. putting up with that crap, young Brewster. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think when I said to him, oh, look, I'm just celebrating. I'm sorry, I'm celebrating. I wasn't, I wasn't called up. And he, that doubled in wanting me to leave. I think maybe he thought I should. <laughs> maybe you should be going. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, John, this has been a hoot, mate. Thank you for your time. Yeah, pleasure. Mate, and um, 
Uh, oh, actually, before we go, I should be asking you, um, where should we be looking for any Angels dates coming up? Is there much going on with the band at the moment? Oh, there's a lot going on with the band, actually, Robbo. Yeah. We're, we're doing this, uh, we're doing four weeks, uh, it's called a- Angels A to Z. Things have been around so long and so many people keep coming out to us and say, oh, you know, it was a great show, but you didn't do such and such, you know. Mm. So, it's, so let's do a song for every letter of the al- alphabet. Mm. Uh, and so the, we're doing the, these shows. We're doing Brisbane, um, and then the Twin Towns at Coolangatta uh, next week. Week after that, we do two shows at Adel- in Adelaide at the Gov, which I think is one of the greatest venues in the country. Yeah. And then the Charles Hotel in in Perth, two nights there. And then mm. we do Sydney, uh, yeah. the Factory on the twenty third. Yep. Belmont, Belmont on, on the Friday and uh, and the factory on the Saturday. Yep. The following week, week we do the uh, wonderful Palms at Crown Casino in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And then the next day we hop on the plane and fly to London. We're doing London and then Paris. And then on the 6th of June we do the Sweden Rock Festival. Wow. The jet-setting life continues for the Angels. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I never would have believed that we'd go overseas again, but we got got these offers and, and it's not like we're going to make a lot of money out of it, but... Mm-hmm. but People want us over there, so we thought, well, let's do it. So that's great. That's uh, we're lovely. pretty excited about that, and um, we come back and we do the second leg of the uh, Angels A to Z, and it's going to go for two and a half months, or nearly wow. two and a half months. Busy. Uh, Angels life is fantastic these days. It really is. Yeah. And we're, we're the old guys that you know. Fortunately, uh, we, we might forget to turn a tap off, but we don't forget how to play. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, and we hope it continues, mate, because uh, there's nothing like a good Angels show, let me tell you. Never has been, never will be. Uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, well, we love it, you know. Well, John, thank you again for your time, mate. It's been brilliant. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. It was great to talk to you. The Mojo Radio Show. So there you go, Gaz. A bit of a surprise. I'm full of them occasionally. Oh, mate, that's, um, you know, the Angels really are an iconic, um, not only an iconic Australian rock act, but they too... I mean, Doc, who was the lead singer of the Angels, was passionate mm. about children, children's education. There's a lot mm-hmm. more of these these guys, these front guys, these bands than probably meets the eye for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but also, it's just, uh, I guess, for you and I, it takes us back to some a, a great period of our radio lives when mm-hmm. we were uh, we were doing stuff with um, with the boys. And, yeah. and shout out to uh, Brent Eccles and all the uh, guys yeah. we used to deal with at that time who were um, managing and looking after the gigs for the Angels. So, mm. well, mate, that's a big show. It is a big show, a special show. A special show. But what other way to end an Anzac special than with the Ode of Remembrance read by the one and only Andrew Peters? Done. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them.